Hello and welcome to another episode of The Spectator's Economic Innovator of the Year Awards for 2023, sponsored by Investec. I'm Martin van der Weer. I'm the business editor of The Spectator. I'm one of the founders of these awards that are now in their sixth year. With me is Michelle White from Investec, and in a moment I'll ask her to say a few words. First, a bit about this particular podcast. It's one of five that we've been making, covering all the finalists for this year's awards. And we've separated for this one a set of consumer-facing businesses. They're reinventing staple goods and products, thinking of different ways of pleasing the consumer, full of interesting ideas. And as you'll hear, they're all very different. And we're going to rattle through nine companies in quite quick time with the assistance of two terrific guest judges who I'll ask to introduce themselves also in a moment. Let me start with Michelle White from Investec. Thanks, Martin. Yes, Investec are the proud sponsors of the Economic Innovator Awards for the second year in a row now. As a firm founded by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs, we have been long-term supporters of business owners, uh, both internationally and here in the UK. I'm representing our Investec Wealth and Investments UK business, which we've recently combined with the Rathbones Group, meaning that we're now in 23 towns and cities across the country, so very much supporting entrepreneurs and their businesses across the UK from north to south. It's been an absolute pleasure touring with you and meeting the 44 finalists and look forward to talking about some of the consumer-focused businesses today. Thank you, Michelle. So our first guest judge today is Merrin Somerset-Webb, well-known columnist. Merrin, just give us a brief uh, introduction about yourself. I'm a senior columnist at Bloomberg. I used to be a columnist at the FT and editor-in-chief of Money Week, UK's best-selling magazine, uh, financial magazine, I should say. There are other magazines that sell better than these financial magazines. And I am also the host of the Marin Talks Money podcast. Thank you very much. Which is excellent, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure it is. And my second guest <laughs> judge today is Gordon Black, veteran industrialist, and venture capitalist. Gordon, a word about yourself. Yeah, I'm the Yorkshire representative, so I call a spade a shovel. I was chairman of Peter Black Holdings for 25 years, which was a conglomerate supplying Marks and Spencers with a range of products. We were involved with Adidas and outlet shopping. That was taken private, and I now run with my brother Black Family Investments, which has a range of involvements in this country and abroad. Thank you very much. So, as I say, we've got nine companies to talk about today. They're all doing very, very different things. There's no special logic to the order in which we're going to talk about them. But we'll start with one that's, I think, very, very interesting and simple to grasp. It's called Rocket, with an I, R-O-C-K-I-T, Rocket. And it designs products that help babies and younger children to sleep. It's a rocker device that can attach to a pram or a stroller or be in the cot with the baby. It creates a rocking movement that helps sleep. The presenter who came to see us, Matt Dyson, told us how his uh, brother-in-law, I think it was, 
who had a scientific bent, had devised a first device that did that to help a baby get to sleep, and they then worked on it and perfected the 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 plastic product, I think manufactured in China, uh, that's now selling very well. So, Michelle, as a mother of some children, <laughs> would this have been the solution to your <laughs> sleep problems oh, gosh. in your house? I really think it would have done, and uh, would have been... Sorry, and I wish it had been invented before I had my children. The first product that they designed was, as you described, so a contraption that you attach to a pram, effectively. And the idea is that it gently rocks the pram as if you're doing it yourself um, and helps them fall asleep and stay asleep. So this would have been absolutely amazing for me, particularly with my first. I thought it was a brilliant story about how this was invented. I think the co-founder one night were struggling to get one of their children to sleep and so decided to take apart a printer, I think it was, and remake it into something that would do this job. And hey presto, it worked. So absolutely amazing. Marin, your children are a little old for being rocked to sleep perhaps, but would this have been useful? Yeah, they are, but I did have a screamer, one of my kids. I would have loved something like this. I mean, we're assuming it works, right? It must because people keep buying it. So assuming it works, I think it, it's every mother's dream, every father's dream come to that. And it seems to be pretty successful. So I'm no, I'm very impressed with the product. The only thing is, of course, that uh, uh, your market goes away pretty quickly. It's not a, it's not a lifetime sale. There's a one, one-off sale to each parent, and, and that's that, I guess. But people are always making more and, babies. Uh, hopefully, I'll tell you what they can do, actually. You can expand this market, expand this market, make them for middle-aged ladies, and I think it's a go. <laughs> I think it's um, been impressive as well. I mean, it's still a small company, but they are, they have sold into over 40 countries already. And he talked about taking 15,000 unit orders at their first trade show before they'd actually sold any anywhere. And I think they're open in describing that John Lewis is a big client of theirs. Interesting, there are other people making similar things, not in the UK, but abroad. And Rocket have deliberately kept their price um, low and competitive, so selling at around the £50 mark versus well over 100 elsewhere. So brilliant for me and um, lots of other people around the world. Loved the company. Right. Brief comment. Gordon, not so much on the product but on the development yeah. of the business. They've been going since 2016 um, and the progress is there. It's a plus that they have patents and it's also a plus that they have a good overseas presence. Uh, fine, thank you, Gordon. Well, let's move on to one that you particularly picked out. The company is called the Friendly Chemical Co. It's a Yorkshire-based manufacturer, and its brand name of its product is Minimal, without the A, Minimal, missing a vowel towards the end, and it's eco-friendly household and personal care and laundry products. Gordon... Give us a yeah, well, this ticks a that. lot of boxes for me. Uh, it's very much the right product at the right time. It's made rapid progress, founded in 2020. The presentation they made was excellent, and it has the potential to really achieve scale, which is important. And the brand name, Minimal, is very compelling and has great potential. could be a, a major business in a very competitive field. And uh, I was most impressed. Good. Marion, what did you think of that? You, you didn't hear that presentation directly. But, um, are these the sort of products that you'd have? No. 
I missed the presentation, but but I, you know, I've, I've read I've read the, the papers that they sent in, etc. And you know, it's got a lot going for it. I love the idea of you know less unpleasant chemicals in the house. I like the idea of their closed loop supply chain. My only only concern is that one thing that I know about myself and about everybody else is that we're really bad at admin. And I suspect that the whole idea of refill pouches and refilling your your bottles, et cetera, is, is less attractive to busy people than some might like to think. So I would love to think that I would constantly refill bottles, but I'm not entirely sure that I would. I could see myself buying competitors' products because this product is exactly what I would like, but I can see myself buying a competitor's product that didn't involve admin, even if it didn't have quite the, the closed loop that that the friendly chemical company offer. So I think it's brilliant, but I'm not quite as certain as Gordon that the market is quite as scalable. Yes, we completely hit on that point, actually, Marin, when we met Emma, who did a brilliant presentation, as Gordon says, because uh, totally in line with you, I'm a potential customer, but not if this makes my life harder. So we probed a lot on, you know, how easy is it actually to get the bottles back to you? Interestingly, the success of the business model isn't based on everyone doing that, which was the interesting point, because right. they know that people will drop off and you might start off with good intentions, but then not follow through on them. But amazing company making an incredible amount of money already. I think they did half a million pounds of turnover well, in their first year, which I just think is incredible. Yeah, and a nice five million next year. I think, yeah, yes. which is and a nice sort of couple that met at university. They're so young and they've brought the sort of science and the marketing education and flair together to create something really quite impressive. They're very passionate, weren't they? Yeah. Did you ask them at all when you were talking to them how they managed to get 80% of their um, energy from solar power when they're based in Yorkshire? <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of wind in Yorkshire, Mary. <laughs> we didn't need well, to yeah, ask because Gordon get, and I are Yorkshiremen. They take 80% of their energy from solar. It's simply not possible. <laughs> <laughs> they did say that. You're right. They did. We took it as red. Very good. Red. Anyway, so that's minimal. Uh, very impressive high growth company it's in ocado it's in oxfam shops and it's clearly going somewhere so i'm going to pick one that i think caught your eye out of this this pack merin it's called bike club and it's europe's largest subscription provider of children's bikes so as a child grows out of the first bike you basically hire from this company a slightly bigger bike and then a bigger one still. And it maximises the utilisation of bikes. It reduces new bike production. It refurbs a lot of old bikes that might finish up on rubbish dumps. And it's it's really quite a big business. What did you think, Marin? It is. I mean, this is another one of those things, a bit like the, the baby rocking to sleep thing, that every parent will now look at and go, damn, I wish I'd known about that when, when my child was little, because there's something particularly aggravating about your children growing out of their bicycles as soon as you've managed to get one. And even if you don't buy a new bicycle, do it on Gumtree, find secondhand ones, borrow them, trade them up and down in your street, etc. Again, it's admin and it's really boring. So if you can have, this is a subscription model, a new bike just comes when they grow out of them. So it's great for the parents. And of course, the amount of waste in child bikes is appalling. I mean, I've got it in my cellar downstairs, and I'm sure every other parent has as well. Endless unused bikes that they've grown out of over the years, and I haven't managed to pass on to somebody else. So in terms of the sustainability element of it, it's absolutely brilliant. A lot of stuff in their, in their, in their papers about the circular economy, reduced 
CO2 emissions, et cetera, et cetera. And all that is incredibly valid. So I think this is a great model, very fast growing. The only problem with it, of course, is it a bit like Rocket, you know, the, uh, the customer disappears. And if you have a subscription model where your customer is only with you for a certain amount of time, you have to work really, really hard to bring in new subscription plans all the time. But with a product like this, they're growing fast. No, I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, and I, I think their theory is that er- the average child will need six or seven bikes before they turn 16. So that's, that's a pretty big market per customer, isn't it? Anyway, I mean, Gordon, pretty, Well, yes, think? but remember that, that from the point of view of the customer, you're only one customer because you pay your subscription fee. You might use six products, but you're only a customer once. So All right, fair a matter point. Of getting, I'm getting, getting to um, Gordon now. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's a lot to admire. It's a clever concept and they've clearly got momentum, how they've grown and they've grown in Germany, which is impressive, and they're clearly passionate about the business. Okay. Michelle, anything to add? Yes, I like this. Um, And as Merrin said, you know, wish I'd known about it sooner because I've spent a fortune on bikes already for my very young children. Impressive growth, as everyone said, 45% of sales now in Germany, actually, within nine months of launching there, and they're the second largest rental bike company in the world. So hats off on that front. Interestingly, we talked about seasonal cancellations. Yes, it is an issue. People trying to be a bit clever with subscribing for the summer when they want the bikes and then giving them back in September, October, but not as bad an issue as you'd think. And I guess really thinking about me as a potential client, I was interested in whether you could have a different subscription to always receive a new bike versus a refurbished bike. And that is something that they do. And the mix between the two, they found very interesting. So great company. Very good. So here's another one that Gordon picked out. It's called Pets Purist. It's an all-natural pet supplement, pet foods business. Pure, safe, high-quality products for common ailments. Particularly familiar for dog owners, digestive skin, joint issues for dogs. It's another... Charming entrepreneurial story of a couple whose family dogs were suffering dry, flaky skin and they did the research themselves and started coming up with products. Fish oil, salmon oil is a key ingredient. Himalayan yak chews come into this. I'm not sure what the supply of Himalayan yaks is looking like these days. Anyway, Gordon, you talk about this one for us. Yes, this certainly impressed me. They they started in 2017. They've already got a £10 million turnover. They've achieved scale, which is vital. The website is excellent. And to me, it's very much the right product at the right time. After covid Pets are the big winners. The pet shares have done well everywhere. And supplements for everyone, animals, people, is a very fast-growing business. They've got an impressive list of investors, and I think they're on a, a very exciting flight path. Uh, Merrin, did this one appeal to you? Pets purist? Um, well, any, anything that has no nasty chemicals in it appeals to me to a degree. And uh, Gordon's right that, of course, over the the pandemic, pets have become paramount. Everyone's mad for them. But I wonder if there's a sort of slight problem here in that, uh, you know, we're seeing people rowing back slightly from their their, uh, pandemic pets. And also, of course, in a cost of living crisis, what's one of the first things to go? Possibly the expensive things you might buy for your pets instead of of cheaper things. So I wonder if their growth will be as high as they think over over the next couple of years. On the other hand, I guess an aging society, more money spent on pets, 
Either way, obviously they've had great growth and it's a really nice little business. The product looks wonderful. I'd just be slightly concerned that over the next couple of years, uh, expensive products for pets might not be everyone's priority. Fair enough. Okay. What impressed me as well is they're certainly not complacent. They're challenging themselves. They say they've embarked on a, a brand overhaul and they're revamping their website and so on. And that's the sort of uh, spirit I like to see in a company. Yes. And I think they talked about expanding yeah. into the US, mm-hmm. which will be no easy path either. So similarly ambitious. Very good. So that's Pets Purist. Okay. Next one we're going to talk about is in a very different sector indeed. It's the holiday park and static caravan sector. So the company is called Lovett Parks. It was presented to us in Bristol by Raoul Fraser. Uh, Michelle, I think you wanted to talk about that one. Yes, well, Raoul presented brilliantly, didn't he? He was so passionate about what they've been doing. Self-describes as a, a very simple business model. So two lines of revenue generation. One is selling holidays and one is selling lodges or caravans. And because of those two streams, they found the business to be not wholly recession-proof, but almost as recession-proof as you can be, because in a recession, people holiday more in the UK, so the holiday sales go up while the lodge and caravan sales go down, and then the reverse is true in a in a stronger economic growth picture. So doing really well, also trying to help with the whole shortage of houses generally in the UK, people's demand slash desire for more sort of eco-friendly homes, so there's a lot of different positive angles to what they're doing. And in the meantime, they have made some serious revenue. So I liked it and it was a good presentation. Very good. Gordon, what did you Yeah, think? it's a very impressive company. I just don't think it's as innovative as some of the other companies we're looking at. It's a mainstream business and they're, they're very passionate about it. And it has got momentum. It's got eight locations now and the turnover's growing well. It's an excellent business. Marin, any comment on Lovett Parks? Anything that improves the general um, tanner of the holiday park business is a good thing. And, uh, you know, it looks, it looks like a nice business. The lodges look great. It's got great locations. They're obviously growing fast. There are always problems with, with the sale of, of holiday lodges like this because of the um, annual fees and the resale values and, and this sort of thing. So it's always a business that makes me nervous, but they look like they're doing it rather better than anybody else. Yeah, so it's clearly not an absolutely radical innovator, but it's a fresh look at a rather tired sector of uh, caravan parks and so on. And his ideas move towards relieving housing shortage stress by making more use of static caravans, which can be perfectly, you know, comfortable things for small family units to live in. So it's kind of interesting take on a long established form of business. There we are. Good. We're going to go on now to one of the biggest businesses, I think, that, that, that we saw in our selection of finalists this year. It's called Net World Sports. It's a global e-commerce business selling sports equipment at the sort of high end and professional end of sports equipment. So it's things like sets of goalposts and training equipment for professional sports clubs. It's based in Wrexham. 
in North Wales, suddenly a tremendously fashionable place since two Hollywood film actors bought the rather, you know, run-down football club. Uh, so apparently Americans are flocking to Wrexham. This is a very big business on a business park with, with plans for great expansion. And it's making a whole lot of sports kit to sell around the world. Uh, Michelle, talk to us about this one. Yes, I thought this was, again, really interesting and not an easy space to push into. You know, when you think about who was already providing sports equipment, it's huge companies that everyone could name off the top of their heads. Um, so getting any kind of market share away from the big brands is impressive as a starting point. Focusing on grassroots all the way through to Premier League clients and the innovation is coming in developing products that are often easier to move when in use. So we talked about particular types of football goal that are very useful for Premier League for warm-ups and moving on and off the pitch quickly. They're looking to be cheaper than their competitors but also a bit more clever. You know, how can we deliver things in a in a more cost-effective way. So, as I say, to carve out a space for themselves in a very competitive market, I thought was great. Gordon? Yeah, this is... I'd like to be a shareholder in this company. They're pluses and minuses. They're very clever to have chosen products where they don't have to compete with the Adidas and Nike. They've achieved scale. 70 million is excellent. But it doesn't tick the innovative box as much as many of the other companies in there. Okay, thanks very much. Well, I, I think of that one as an interesting story about place, actually, about putting putting Wrexham on the map. <laughs> uh, there we are, Net World Sports in sports equipment. So next, we're going to go into the fintech area. It's the only kind of fintech uh, venture in the, in this set today, and it's called Cascade Cash Management, based in. Newcastle, and it says we help savers to reach their savings goals faster, smarter, and happier. We include every savings product in our data set and work tirelessly for customers to get the best returns and safety from their hard earned cash. So, again, that's not a totally original business, but it's a very high growth one based in the Northeast. Merrin, what did you think of this one? Well, the first thing, as you say, it's not, it's not an original business or an original idea in that for ages there's been this idea that we should be able to have companies who will spread your money around savings accounts and move it for you to reduce admin because this is, of course, the great problem of the British saver is in Russia. We find it impossible to move savings accounts. It's involved filling in forms, et cetera. I practically never use my savings for that very reason. So the idea that you can have a platform that will help you do that without the admin. It's been around for a while, but none of them have reached any particular scale. And most of the platforms now do it as well, the investing platforms, you can put your savings to work there to get different levels of, of interest. But this is particularly good, I think, because uh, it's, it's a good company. It seems like a well-run business, it's growing fast, et cetera. But it focuses to a degree on the IFAs who have you know, their customers' savings aren't always invested, sitting around, what they do with them, what they think they should be in cash. And they can subscribe to this service. And I think that's a, a good innovation. So good for IFAs, good for savers. And of course, you can go onto it as a retail saver as well. They've got a very comprehensive website. It's, no, I like this business. Uh, in fact, I may use it myself. Oh, splendid. Michelle, from a banking point of view, what did you think? Yes, agree with Merrin's points. I think... 
they are trying to do this differently, obviously, to some of the big names already in the space, and I won't name them, but we we talked with Emma quite a lot about the fact that some of the competitors really focus on a high-volume, low-value model, which her view was will always be loss-making, actually. So they've very much got to focus on corporates, charities and high-net-worth individuals. So low-churn, lower-volume but higher-value is how they're going to make their profit and they're showing that they can do that already. She talked about £1.6 trillion worth of cash in savings accounts across the UK so if they can get their marketing right, then I think they'll sign up a lot of clients. So impressive pitch company and, and family, actually. Yeah, and just to add to that, Martin, and now is exactly the time because it's now when interest rates have suddenly gone up. You know, two years ago, who could care less whether they were getting 0.25% or mm. 0.26%. But now you can, the difference between zero and, and five is really quite something. So now really is the time for businesses like this to make them move. Gordon? Yeah, I thought it was it's a good idea. It's extremely relevant, as you've all said. For me, there is a very low barrier to entry here. Other companies could set up. There's no patents or anything. Um, it's a good business in an area where, where there's a great demand, but um, it didn't completely win me over. Okay, fair enough. Well, we've got two more to talk about today, and they're both education related one is in schools one is in museums i'm going to talk first about smartify smartify is it says the world's most popular and award-winning museum guide with four million users 700 cultural institutions internationally that's brought a new era to visitor engagement and its partners include the National Gallery, the Royal Academy, the Smithsonian Institution, and many more. And this is a kind of much smarter app that replaces those rather clunky pieces of kit you borrow or hire when you go into a more old-fashioned museum and you have to twiddle with the buttons and, and, and listen to the um, commentary as you go around. This, this is the state-of-the-art version of doing that. The pitch came to us. Thanos Kokiniotis was speaking to us from a cafe in Washington, I think. That's Washington, D.C., uh, showing how far our reach goes. But there we are. Uh, Michelle, you heard the presentation. What did you think? Yes, I think interesting innovation in a what I suppose has probably been a bit of a slow-moving world. But, yes, they're now at the point where they've had over 4 million users and they've got over 700 cultural institutions using them internationally. So not small numbers. So obviously delivering something that both the museums and those institutions and then the visitors see is valuable. Partners including National Gallery, Royal Academy, Smithsonian and many more. So very much innovating in their space and they seem to have developed a product that is selling well. Gordon, any thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a good company. It's a clever concept. To me, it's a bit fringe compared with the others. They've got no patents to restrict. And I'm not uh, up to speed, but I would, I would think Google and other people could outgun them fairly easily. And I think Google and people cover this sort of area of activity. So, again, good, but not too compelling for me. Yes, they declare Google 
and Bloomberg as their closest competitors. But they're sort of holding their own. They're tripling their revenues year on year, I think. So they're currently very high growth. So our last one in this group for today uh, is an educational edutech product. It's called Picture News. It produces a weekly thought-provoking and engaging news resource for teachers to explore current news stories with pupils of all ages. And it has so far reached into one in four English primary schools. We heard from Katie Harrison at our finalist lunch in Leeds. Gordon, you were there. What did you think? Yeah, well, I've got nine grandchildren and anything that makes them more aware of what's going on in the world is very attractive to me. I think this is uh, important for the young people. Uh, there was an excellent presentation, focused. They're very passionate about it. I looked at the website, which was also good. And I think this is very much a business for today. It impacts on younger people. And to me, it's... Um, high up the compelling table. Yes, I think it was a very passionate presentation, as Gordon says. Katie used to be a teacher herself, so she spotted this niche and gap in the market and has gone about personally filling it, which has been great. We were quite interested, Gordon, weren't we, in sort of how you could expand it quite rapidly, really, sort of internationally, other languages, other similar countries where there will be similar gaps that aren't being met by the school themselves. And so it'll be working out what the right pricing model is and how you would Mm. attempt that expansion. Very good. So that completes today's set of companies. As I said, that's nine different companies doing all sorts of different things. If we had to draw any common threads, it's about finding better ways to do familiar things in in some sense. We've, We've heard about a bunch of companies that are particularly child-facing. So Bike Club, a more sustainable way of providing children with bicycles, Picture News in EduTech, Smartify in museums, Rocket to help them get to sleep. We've looked at some companies that are essentially about more sustainable lifestyles in different ways. So better caravan parks even, healthier pet food, more environmentally friendly household and personal care products and so on. And then one in the fintech sector to help you manage your savings better. Gordon, do you want to make any final comment across the whole set on what you've seen today? I think it's most encouraging to see so many innovative companies, very uplifting, and they've all got merit. And uh, I wish them all well. And I I think it's... uh, it's fascinating. I think the quality, having been a judge in previous years, I'd say the quality of the entry is very high this time. It's a brilliant competition, this, and um, and I wish everyone all the really the very best. Very good. Marin, a last word from you? Um, I'd pretty much say what, what goodness says. I've been phenomenally impressed by a lot of the companies, not by all of them, but by a lot of them. Astonishing ideas, innovation, execution, and that, you know, when people say that there isn't enough entrepreneurship and risk-taking in the UK, they need to come and look at some of the companies we've seen recently. It's just not true. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. It's a, it's a cause for optimism every year doing this process. Michelle, you can have the very last word. Oh, well, I don't know how I top that. But just to say, yeah, I think 
the whole process and meeting the companies makes you feel proud to be British and it's very easy to read and hear things that make you think we've lost our way and everyone else is ruling the world and we've got nothing to offer anymore. But that's certainly not true and there's some amazing entrepreneurs and companies that we've met and talked about today. Very good. Well, that's a good note to finish on. So that's it for this podcast. Do listen to the whole series and thank you for being with us. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this podcast sponsored by Investec. To find out how Investec can help you personally or your business, visit www.investec.com.